This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by CuraDebt. CuraDebt Debt Counseling offers you free debt settlement consultations. You're not dealing with the banks. You're not dealing with the credit cards. You're dealing with a company that is there to work for you and not the creditors. Hey, bad things happen. Bad things happen to all of us. If you have $10,000 or more in unsecured or credit card or personal loan debt, you owe it to yourself to give them a call. Pick up the phone, call 866-951-2699 for your free debt consultation. CuraDebt will work with you and provide you with a roadmap to rebuilding your credit. It's free. You have absolutely nothing to lose, but possibly the bad stuff that comes along with debt. 866-951-2699. Gather up your statements, give them a call, and take advantage of a free consultation. 866-951-2699. Cure a debt. 866-951-2699. Now, on with the show. Oh, hey, everybody. I am Ryan David. You're listening to another episode of Nerd Cognito. And yes, I blew out my voice. And apparently I blew out my regular partner this week. That sounded terrible. I got Bert with me. I'm not even going to try to recover from that one. Hey, Bert, what's going on? Not too much, man. How you doing? I promise I won't blow you tonight. Um, <laughs> what did you do to Mike? Oh, uh, Mike's actually out of town. He's doing one of those machismo American football games. Uh, he got tickets for the Cincinnati game. And uh, mm. so he is in Cincinnati, which is... I don't know, I haven't been there in 10 years, but it was a hellhole of a city when I was there. I've got nothing pleasant, zero pleasant memories of Cincinnati. Uh, agreed. I would uh, I would almost pity him at this point if he's in Cincinnati. I'm he, sorry. He is in Cincinnati, and I sound lovely. Um, I had an interesting combination of, well, Michael and I, <laughs> we went to the casino again this week. So I had a very late, late night and then the following day, um, the little troll that calls himself my son got on my nerves, and I was yelling at him, and oh, I can't even make the pop sound. That was supposed to be a pop. Pop. There there <laughs> went my voice. So I've sounded like this for the last day and a half, um, all because I yelled at my kid in the wrong way at the wrong time for probably too long. Right. I mean, you know, you, you were already, if you went to the casino with Mike, you already had that whiskey and cigarettes thing going on. So yelling on top of it doesn't help. Oh, it was, it was, it was a long whiskey and cigarettes longer for him. He actually pre-gamed it solo for three hours prior to me getting there. And, uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, you know, I, I sure I'll, I'll be down there about eight o'clock. He's like, I'm already here, bro. Oh, I don't even sound like Mike with this voice. Um, but, uh, yeah, rough night. Our bank accounts did not, the gods were not favoring us as they, as they did on our last trip. Anything interesting going on in your world this week? I, I, I know we, we wished you get well. I know you're feeling better. I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it on the air, so we've kept it sort of hush hush, but at least you sound like you're feeling much better than you did last week. 
Agreed. Yeah. I mean, last week I was pretty rough week. I'm not going to lie. You know, I had some serious, well, not life threatening, but serious health issues going on. All recovered now. You know, back to work. Everything is good to go. And we are glad. I know I texted you uh, in the middle of the week. I wanted to give you a couple of days just to to rest. And after I talked to you, I'm I'm glad I did give you a couple of days to rest because, man, I would have hermited up for quite some time. Um, But we are glad that you are not in constant pain and uh, not having any life-threatening issues for certain. And we're glad that you're here with us this week. So um, interesting interesting docket for us to talk about this week, Bert. Um, but yeah, we've got, uh, you know, as always, some news lined up on the front side of the news. Uh, we're going to we're gonna turn it over to you, not only because I am willing to rest my voice, but because, well, you're becoming Mr. Terraforming Mars, and I want to hear all about that. And I think on the flip side of the news, we heard Michael's opinion for when we start tabletop role-playing again, which I've always said was February. And it is now February, so we've really got to start running on this idea. We'll talk about what our campaign's going to look like, what your thoughts are, and all of that good stuff on the flip side of the news. But, Mr. Mars, tell me about this. So, my favorite board game in the past few years has been Terraforming Mars. I wound up Playing it one time, you know, I just love the fact that it's always a different game and it's uh, got a great mechanic to it, like the way that it's set up. I wound up buying all the expansions, um, but now I'm becoming sort of Mr. Terraforming Mars. Every time somebody has a uh, is trying to set up a group to play Terraforming Mars, I wind up getting a phone call. This morning, I got a message from a friend of mine. He's like, hey, we've never played Terraforming Mars with five people. We've only played it with like three people. I'm trying to get a group of people together for five. I know you're in. What days are you available this week? Like, it's just literally ready to go. So how uh, many hours is a five person? Because I've never played it with more than four. How many hours would that be? Because that game would incrementally scale time with the number of players. It depends on whether or not you incorporate the Turmoil expansion. Turmoil will stretch the game out because it adds that political feature and makes it more difficult to achieve your goals. So it really depends on if they're using all the expansions or not. I could see a five-person game easily taking, conservatively, I would say four hours, maybe a little longer. I was going to put it at about five hours was my guesstimate, but... Again, with, with Terraforming Mars, I do have to defer to you because, you know, it's uh, not my favorite game, but I know it is absolutely your favorite game. So I, I know that you could give a better estimate on that for me. So did you, I, I'm assuming it has not yet happened. No, it's going to be Tuesday night. Uh, we're going to start about 6.30, so I'll plan to be home in bed by midnight probably. Yeah, that sounds that sounds reasonable to me. Well, you'll have to... Uh, even if we do a little nano, tell me about five-player terraforming Mars. We can do a nano for five-player terraforming Mars. Absolutely. I mean, and it's difficult that uh, you're right. It, it ramps up because everybody has to take their turn, but you wind up actually getting fewer turns as a player because once you reach terraforming conditions, like everybody's raising temperature, finding water, raising oxygen, if everybody's taking 
a turn, you're getting less turns as a player to try to win in. But the game will take longer because there's more people taking turns. I I, I guess I see that because everybody is take. There is essentially an extra set of turns per round in there, so the planet would develop faster in a five-player game. I guess it's not developing any faster, but it's going to develop faster for you, as in it's going to be more developed every time your turn comes up to go around. Absolutely. Exactly. Interesting. So it makes the long-term strategy much more difficult, because when it gets around to your turn, what is the oxygen level going to be? What is the planet's temperature going to be? Very, very curious. Um, you know, we missed you at, at gaming when we were playing Merchant's Cove. Um, I heard it's a it's an asymmetrical game, which is one of my jams. I love a good asymmetrical game. You know, we had a lot of fun playing things like Root and things like that. But careful with that, we. Well, I did. <laughs> I had a good time playing Root. <laughs> a- asymmetrics are not my jam, but uh, no, I was really thinking. You know, it's a shame Bert's not here because he would have really dug this game. And uh, I I think for your sake, if there's a night where we don't know what we're going to play, we should play it again just so that you can experience it. We were talking last week about how, I guess, a blessing and a curse for our group is access to games. And not only access to games, but access to a lot of the newest, latest, greatest games. So we have a really high bar so to speak on games that we replay absolutely i mean it's got to be either somebody's favorite or um you know or maybe something nothing came out good in the past month that would trigger us to replay something we almost never duplicate but i i I will say that even being one of my least favorite genres in that it's an asymmetrical it was the best asymmetric that we played in a long time. So we'll, we'll pull it out again sometime in the near future. I, oh, I say that, but we're going to start our tabletop campaign, too. Oh, it's so tough. Hey, did you hear about this um, Tales from the Loop on Amazon Prime? Yes, I've seen some of Tales from the Loop. Well, did you know that there's already a Tales from the Loop board game set to launch? I did not know that. I saw this, and uh, I wanted to surprise you with it, which is why I didn't tell you about it before we went on the air. Okay. Um, But I figured it would be a good parallel to your Mr. Terraforming Mars tale. Um, For those of you that don't know, Tales from the Loop is a surreal sort of... I don't know, you've watched it, Bert. Give me a two-sentence dime store summary of Tales from the Loop. Uh, it's I would say it's a surreal science fiction series based in a town over top of a government facility. Okay, that's fair, and that doesn't give anything away. The There is a new product lineup coming from Free League Publishing, which have done some really nice tabletop role-playing games. Specifically, they did the Alien one that I am dying to play that is praised hand over fist. Now, you're not talking about... Oh, what was it? 
They did an alien skin for something like what was was it for Dominion that they did an alien skin that deck builder? No, 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 no. This is a source book, so you can play a tabletop role playing version of Alien. Oh, that would be awesome. Yes, I mean, who wouldn't want to play Ripley or uh, rave you know? reviews for it too? So you were talking about Tales from the Loop, the board game or the tabletop game is going to be released. So it's a right. uh, an RPG, like Kids on Bikes or D&D or... No. They no. have pretty much stayed in the lane of a tabletop RPG, but now they are producing a Tales from the Loop board game. You are teamed up with your other players. It is a cooperative board game. And you join forces to investigate all of the mysteries that emanate from that government facility that you're living on top of. Oh man, that could be quite interesting because the the series isn't necessarily linear. Like the episodes I've seen, there are different things going on. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how they incorporate that into a board game mechanic. Will it be like scenario cards, the way like the crossroad cards show up in Dead of Winter? Well, there there are individual rule books for each player. You're one of the children, right? Okay. And that's the role that you take on. There are eight scenarios that come with it. And um, here's a little something-something from Free League's press release. In Tales from the Loop, the board game, you take the role of the local kids, playing cooperatively to investigate whatever phenomena threatens the islands or whatever, and hopefully stop it. Each day starts at school, but as soon as the bell rings, you use whatever time you have before dinner to go exploring. You then play through one of the different scenarios that are all branched off of the same trunk, so they're keeping that sort of faithful to the series, right? Right. And um, the scenarios are 90 to 120 minutes. Each turn represents a day in the life of the kids, and each kid has a certain amount of time obviously, before they have to get home. That's their turn. So they can spend it however they like. So everything is budgeted. Instead of actions, the things that you can do consume certain blocks of time. And each character has a certain number of time, a certain amount of time before they have to be home for dinner. You are correct. You have to be home for dinner, which means that if you're doing large events, the cooperative nature of the board game kicks in because you have to pool actions to maximize the time so that you can get shit done before you got to get home for dinner. I actually really like the sound of that. Like it forces a it forces co-op behavior. It sounds like the now the question is are the kids like do they all have the same block of time or are they asymmetrical like the, the, the kids how have the same block of time okay. but there is a little push your luck mechanic in it in that you can stay out longer but you might lose some privileges which means ah. you might not be able to travel next time because you can't get a car ride you know, thematically, right? Or right. you might get grounded and be limited to stuff that you can do in your house. So it is a, a, a very interesting action selection game that's, you know, we like co-ops. Absolutely. Pretty well received so far. All the preview stuff that is out there right now has it well reviewed. It's a seven and a half on board game geek. Okay. What's the, uh, MSRP 80 bucks. 
Okay. $80. So, so not bad. I mean, that's what you pay for a quality board game these days. It, it is. And now, you know, even looking back a year from now, an $80 game today would have been a $60 game a year ago just because, unfortunately, we got hit with that wave of inflation and Let's face it, prices never go back down. So yesterday's $60 board game is now an $80 board game. So it's in that range where you don't hit three digits yet. That doesn't raise an eyebrow. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with you. Like I said, $80 is about what you'd expect to pay for a quality board game these days. Like, not every game is going to be Otis where you're getting super quality for super cheap. We, we were talking about Otis. <clears throat> Man, Otis like must have really struck a chord with our group because it came up again last week. And uh, we were talking about as wonderful as an experience as Merchant's Cove was, especially for Michael, who likes asymmetrics and happened to win, Otis popped up because we said, you know, all in for Merchant's Cove is about 200 bucks. 20 bucks, Otis, which one do you want to play again? And we both said Otis. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I I take price with a grain of salt. I mean, the facts are that board gaming is a luxury hobby because it is very expensive cardboard and plastic that we're buying. No matter what, it's not life-changing money. If you have to be more selective with the games that you're picking, I understand that, you know. I've lived through those times where get laid off or or things just aren't right but um in the grand scheme of things eighty dollars for a co-op the only thing that i worry about is what do you do once you've run out of scenarios good point that's where the eighty dollar price point has one flag for me but then again i'm in mansions of madness complete for what four or five hundred bucks and you can still run out of scenarios there so yeah, Tales from the Loop, the board game. I thought it would be something that uh, that was interesting for you. And Absolutely. That's I would why definitely I sort it. of just sprung it on you. I also got to say that they preserved the art from the show in the board game. And the components are, are sort of a hybrid between surreal art deco and comic book. And I really like that, too. <laughs> That's an interesting aesthetic. I should. I'm going to send you just a board image, right? Just okay. so that you can get a feel for it. Let me pop this your way. You can see what I mean, where it's like Art Deco and comic books had a baby, as far as the art style for the board game. And I find it kind of appealing. It's it's a breath of fresh air compared to right. a lot of other board games that are out right now. Right, a lot of board games, like, they don't mix styles like this. This is actually really, it's actually kind of neat the way that it's uh, put together here. So there you go, 80 bucks. It is available for pre-order right now on Amazon. It is going to drop and start shipping September 2nd. So we are talking about a significant wait. But I will... Uh, Throw an Amazon link in the show notes because locking it in at $80, especially with just the way that the global market is right now, may not be a bad idea because it could very well be a $100 game come September 2nd. I don't disagree with you. I mean, the way things are going with supply chain issues, inflation, things like that, you could easily see that price go up. Let me ask you, as a... Uh 
as the like the resident board game king. I only know one person who owns more board games than you do. Doug. How far in Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Doug, how far in advance do you normally like for something like this, like a pre order? You know, when you look at it, like how far in advance do you comfortably order a game? Like are you that you don't worry about cancellation or I used to. I am now a different person. I used to not worry about that. And if you're pre-ordering it directly from the manufacturer, or God help you if you have to do Amazon, um, I think you're pretty safe because, let's face it, you're using a credit card, you have the benefits of the card behind you too. You know, I'm Captain American Express, and I know that American Express has my back. That being said... I don't pre-order a lot anymore. I, over the last two years, have really shifted to waiting until things are hitting a full retail release and picking them up off the shelf. The one exception that I used to have would be I would always pre-order anything Arkham Files, right? Right. But I, I have... A, a good rapport built up with our local gaming store. And they kind of know that if there's something new, Arkham Files, we're going to put one aside. Um, that actually didn't happen with Unfathomable. I went in there for Unfathomable, and um, everybody sort of did that, well, we're going to look at the floor and try to not make eye contact with Ryan because he's here for Unfathomable, and then I ended up talking to them, and they just couldn't get it, period. We talked about that before. Right. I used to uh I used to look into backing games on Kickstarter, but I kind of stopped doing that. Like a few of them I got, I was disappointed with the quality, like there was a whole bunch of like issues with like Kickstarter backing and things like that. So now like you, I normally look for retail release before I purchase a game. I too have pulled away from Kickstarter, specifically Kickstarter um or other crowdfunded channels for the same for the very same reason. I got some awesome games through Kickstarter, right? I got Wave 1 Gloomhaven through Kickstarter. That being said, I've got probably 30 games on the shelf that are terrible or unplayed because they're not appealing from Kickstarter too. So uh, I, uh, if it's any good, if it is any good, it will retail release. Now, there is an exception, and that's Come On!, because they are launching everything Zombicide through Kickstarter now. Mm. But I don't know that I'm going to be buying another Zombicide game. We've got one, I, two, three, four that I'm looking at right now. Can't tell you the last time we've played Zombicide. Do you remember the last time we played Zombicide? I remember when you picked up those Zombicide games and we started looking through them and we were like, oh, this is so cool, but I can't remember a time that we ever opened the box and actually played them. I think Douglas and I played them two-player two or three times tops. There's some cool stuff coming out in the Zombicide world, but it's still the same game, just hosed down in different IPs right now. Uh, now I heard you mention the Ghostbusters one or Marvel Zombies. (laughs) Yeah, the Ghostbusters one that I can't get. That would be one that I would get, but it's Kickstarter- only, so I can't get it. Um, Marvel Zombies, we talked about last week. Uh, again, same game, sure, 
don't write in to us at nerdcognitopodcast at gmail.com and tell me, your little nuances are different. It's the same fucking game. <laughs> I know that there's new shit. It's the same fucking game. And I'm not knocking it. I like Zombicide. It's fun. When you want a mindless shoot the shit out of zombies, put 30,000 miniatures on a map type of game, it does it. And it does it well. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's not enough for me to sort of get soaked in there. And Long story short, if it's a good game, and it's not Zombicide, it will retail release. No one's going to say, no, you know, we're not going to retail release this game, and we're going to move on to our next project. <laughs> That's not going to happen. So, right. So, so we have a chance to make more money. Nah. No. <laughs> Who needs more money? Yeah, Tales from the Loop, coming out soon. I assume you're going to get it, and I'm going to get to play it. I don't know. Um, then Doug will get it, and we'll both get to play it. <laughs> I I I don't know if Doug has watched the the series. To be honest with you, mm, I think point. it's a safe bet that someone in the group will get it. I know Michael won't because he's backlogged with Kickstarters. The other problem right. is, I'm tired of waiting three years for games. You know. Michael's got one or two that are back over the two-year mark right now, and uh, I think it was you. You like you just finished cleaning up your board game collection, getting everything organized, and then you had a bunch of Kickstarter games come in all at once, and yes. it just messed up your whole system. Yes, that that was I. Well, you know, my game room is in, in constant state of chaos and disarray. Usually, it was one of those rare moments, you know. Where all of the stars aligned, everything was put away, everything was perfect, it was photo ready, and then four or five Kickstarters that were all in pledges came in at once, and that was it. You are correct, Bert. Oh, what a day. Hey, I, and one of them is still unopened on the shelf, by the way. So The Batman one. Yes, yes. I keep wondering if we're ever going to play that. But I don't it, know. I would like to, but... Again, we would need consistency, and I know our bar is too high for us to play it multiple times. So at this point, just sort of leaving it there, and someday I'll open it up to look at the miniatures, or someday someone's going to come along and be like, hey, I really wish I could get a copy of that uh, that Batman game, but it was an all-in Kickstarter pledge, and I'll be like, hey, zero profit, here you go. Something's going to happen. That's the story of life, isn't it? Something's going to happen. Something is going to happen. That's that's all I really do know. Oh, but what I do know is that uh, games make the world a little bit better. Agreed. Have you ever done any of those escape rooms, Bert? I've done probably a handful, yeah. Well, they gave me a lot of fun. Yeah, they're a ton of fun. Can you imagine trying to create your own escape room? No, the level of detail they put into those things are way beyond me. Well, thank goodness for our new sponsor, Lock Paper Scissors. They produce escape room kits in a box. 
it, it, it's awesome. All you've got to do is download their print and play materials and everything you need is there. No running around to different dollar stores or thrift stores to get all these little parts. It's all just there. You print it and boom, it's that 20 bucks and you have an escape room for you and your friends to do it. They're featuring right now the NV escape kit. NV is a 1920s Gadsby style murder mystery game. So you can have your own stay-at-home mystery night filled with velvet gloves with blood stains. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, the Envy Escape Room Kit is a ready-to-play party pack that transforms any room into a DIY escape room. Imagine what would happen if you mixed an escape room and a 1920s house party. Well, that's Envy. In this world, your friends will be racing to solve the murder mystery in teams of two to four, and you can have any number of teams just by printing out the items from the game so it customizes for your party. And setting it up, they have it designed so that it is spoiler-free, so you can play too, and you have no idea what's going on. It's super cool. Check it out. 20 bucks, $19 actually. Uh, go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down to our sponsors section, and find the link that has Envy on it for lock, paper, scissors. Yeah, I mean, what's 20 bucks? Give it a shot, call your friends over, and experience your own escape room without any of the headaches of setting it up. I really think we and should try one of these out soon, Bert. I agree. I mean, it, it gives you an excuse to have like a 20s-themed party. You know, you can make cocktails from the 20s like it, you can go as much or as little into kind of detail as you want but it seems like a great opportunity to have like a like a theme party and just have your friends over and goof off and i like the idea that someone's doing all the work for you <laughs> <laughs> that's always nice it's it's always good news <laughs> if someone's doing the work hey, let's do the news <laughs> oh bert lots of news this week our favorite software company, Microsoft. Oh boy. Oh boy, he says. Has released a new knowledge base update. Microsoft says that Windows devices now need to be online for how many continuous hours to get and install the latest updates? How many continuous hours do you need to have stable windows? Take a guess. Oh, Lord. Uh, four. Windows needs at least eight hours online to, quote, update reliably. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's ridiculous. That's a whole work day. The amount of time devices running Windows are powered on and connected to Windows Update is tracked by Microsoft. And this new measurement system has determined that eight hours is the optimal amount of time to guarantee that you can reliably and safely upgrade. Quote, one of the most impactful things that we explored was how much time a device needs to be powered on and connected to Windows Update to be able to successfully install quality and feature updates. We found that devices that don't meet a certain amount of connected time are very unlikely to successfully update. 
Oh, why would you? <laughs> Their PR person needs to be shot. <laughs> oh man! Like, sure, you can update Windows. Gotta wait eight hours. <laughs> well, you know, a few months ago, with the exception of my gaming PC, I finally went all in and jumped over to Linux. I <laughs> with the Windows 11 debacle. I and and you know me, I've been a kind of died in the wool Microsoft guy forever. Oh yeah. I uh I finally said I can't do this anymore. Don't tell me that my computer can't run Windows 11 A and B, don't tell me that I need a Microsoft account to install it. That was my breaking point, but this is just sort of icing on the cake. It's it's me sitting back with a big smile, especially now that I've been pretty uh, happy with my jump to Linux, you know. And this includes my work PC, my laptops. I switched everything over, and there is nothing that I am missing. Hmm. And I sure as hell ain't missing eight hours of connected time to guarantee that I can get an update. Hey, no. one of the cool things that's coming out in Linux, um, there's going to be a kernel update coming out in the near question mark future where you can update your Linux kernel without a restart. That's a game changer. That is pretty interesting. I, I, that's never been done before that I'm aware of. No, no, not at all. It uh, doesn't matter who we're talking about. That That's a huge game changer. I'm interested to see how well it's going to work, but um, very, very cool. But yeah, you got to leave it on overnight like you're downloading some MP3s from Napster back in the day, Bert. <laughs> leave it on overnight. Not that we ever did that. Lars. Oh, no. No, no. We always paid for our Metallica songs. Uh, Marvel removes two Disney Plus shows from their upcoming slate. Marvel's website featured some unexpected Disney Plus shows, but it seems that they've now been dropped from the 2022 schedule. Now, I, I do want to point out, this was on Marvel Japan website. Okay. But um, it did cause a stir because, you know, the, the diehard Marvel people watch everything. And um, two additions to the Disney Marvel Universe that were due up were What If Season 2 and Secret Invasion. But now the website has replaced the images of those two items and removed those two shows from the list. I don't know. I enjoyed What If Season 1, but I was always a guy who was into the What If comics. I know you Season used to read the What If comics a lot. And you know me, like Marvel was like third fiddle in comic world for me. I was always a DC guy first, and then probably a Dark Horse guy second. I mean, I can't disagree with you. The Mar What If was probably one of the only Marvel titles that I followed regularly as a kid. But yeah, so it's interesting because the first season of that, I thought, did pretty well. So I don't know why they would like put the kibosh on the second season. Secret Invasion, I know very little about as far as the series is concerned. Well, Secret Invasion was supposed to be pretty big, right? Wasn't that Sam Jackson? That was, was Sam it? Jackson's Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah. 
reading down further in the article, Secret Invasion is set to be a big Marvel series featuring Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury as he returns to the forefront of a Marvel story after a number of years in the shadows. That's that's a big fucking deal. That is a huge deal. I mean, everybody who doesn't like Sam Jackson? Motherfucker. Everybody likes Sam Jackson. Right, um, right. You want him to narrate your life. Oh, yeah, people everybody are like, says Morgan, Morgan Freeman, says, fuck no. I want Sam Jackson. Right, my life needs more motherfuckers in it. <laughs> uh, now, of course, this is just a removal on a website. There's not been a press release or anything. Doesn't mean that they're not happening, but I think it's a pretty, pretty strong testimony that it's probably not going to happen in 2022. Mm, agreed. They do have, you know, the rest of their lineup intact, which include Fantastic Four, Moon Knight, Doctor Strange. But no, What If and uh, Secret Invasion, which would probably be at the top of my list if I were going to be watching something Marvel. <laughs> of course, they are gone. So, I want to know when Marvel's going to give up on Fantastic Four. They've tried that so many times, and it has failed, failed, and failed miserably. Well, now that it's under the Disney umbrella, I think Fantastic Four could be much, much better presented in an animated format. Why doesn't Disney throw some some animation teams at it? You have a point. I mean, they are the they are experts in the animation arena. I mean, they have Pixar, right? Sure. Let's call a spade a spade. I think Pixar is the bee's knees when it comes to animation, modern animation today. You know, no one's going to be hand-drawing anymore, much as my heart breaks to say that, but you know, that style is where it's at, and Pixar is the industry leader for that. So, yeah, give me a Pixar Fantastic Four. I would watch that. I could actually see that being a lot of fun, you know? And you could do a lot more with a lot less with animation. I mean, it doesn't all have to be $200 million a season expenses either. But, uh, I don't know. The mouse knows what's best. All I know is that, uh, I bought a bond for Disney that will pay me through 2093. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, that's, that's the extent of my involvement with Disney. You do... DoorDash and Instant Cart and that sort of thing from on occasion, I'm sure. We all do now. I mean, we all for certain did at one point or another. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you didn't want to go out there during the height of COVID, so make people bring things to you. Right, and now there are um, stores that are private labeling their services. I, I mean, you know, we're fat guys, so of course we know this with like fast food. McDonald's and Burger King, they have their private label delivery, but it's all DoorDash, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Apple has a private label same-day delivery that is delivered by Instacart. Well, this is sort of as far or as close to a political story as we're going to get. I got it because it's Apple, and I got it because it's Instacart, and I got it because it's pop culture, but it does have some of that woke entitlement that drives me crazy. Do tell. Instacart driver calls out customer who requested a delivery but didn't tip. 
an instant cart shot. This is a story. I want to make sure I get this one right because people love to write in when any tinge of politics is in our stories. Um, this is from the Daily Dot. An Instacart shopper took to TikTok to air his grievances regarding tipping on the app. When a customer ordered a MacBook for pickup, he chose not to leave a tip. Anthony C. Paul, who I guess is the Instacart driver, called them out for it. Quote, now I know... You hoes aren't out here placing orders for MacBook computers to be picked up today and delivered to your homes, and you ain't got no money for a tip, they said in a video. Wow, okay. Now, the order was placed through Apple, and Apple offers a free same-day delivery. In my mind... Let's pretend that I don't know anything about Instacart or DoorDash, and I am my mother... Ordering a computer. Oh, that hurt. That hurt so bad. <laughs> Ryan. Oh, I, I don't even know if I can do the Elaine voices. Okay, my father ordering a computer. Oh, hey, hey, Ra. I, I can still do Dave. I can go down, but not up. Fair. Um, I, I'm going to order this MacBook. I'm going to go on to... It's still not... I'm not doing either one of them justice. Dad goes on. He wants to order a computer. He doesn't know that Instacart people are delivering this. He sees that he's buying a computer from Apple, and they're going to deliver it the same day. And he's and it comes up at the end. It says, "Do you want to add a tip? Are you going to tip Apple computer?" No, I mean, before I knew anything about like Instacart and things like that, I ordered a video game, and it ordered it offered same day delivery. From like GameStop or something. Probably then, DoorDash or something, right? Right, right. But I had no idea. Like it, the in my mind it was a service through GameStop. Like it wasn't something you associate with like an external delivery company. Like when I when I order pizza, tip the driver, absolutely. Right. If you're online and buying a product and they offer a same day delivery service, you don't automatically make the connection that it's the same thing. You know what I mean? You treat it almost like the mail or like uh, FedEx. Yes. You don't tip your FedEx right. driver. You don't tip your UPS driver. You're you're right. absolutely right. And it, it, I'll take it a step further because I know that, that I'll be the only one on this island in this conversation, and that's okay. With a service like DoorDash or Instacart, I'm not tipping anyhow for two reasons. One is there's a service fee. And two is, I know how they pay their delivery drivers. So, let's say that Anthony Paul here, delivering my MacBook, you know, gets the, gets the order. He can decline that order. He can choose not to take that order. And as drivers choose not to take that order, the delivery company kicks into their fee. That's what the fee really pays to up the spiff for delivering that order. If I tip, all I'm doing is offsetting what the company should be paying them anyhow. So, does, does, that, does that make sense? It does. You know, if, if, if I get a burger delivered from McDonald's, we'll just pretend, right? I'm never going to have DoorDash deliver me a burger from McDonald's, but I'm sure it could happen, and I choose not to tip, my burger will sit there until DoorDash 
ups the delivery fee for the people that are going to actually go get it to a level where someone's going to pick it up. I'm not an employer. I'm a customer. <laughs> I, right. and, and that back end doesn't bother me. Now, when I call my local pizza shop and they're going to deliver me two pies in 45 minutes and there's not a delivery fee, it's a different it's a different ball of wax than if a service is delivering it. As soon as you go under the umbrella of that service, if you're a contractor for that service, your grievance is with that service. Anyway, your entitled ass doesn't go on TikTok and call someone out for a product that they called. How is this motherfucker still employed? That's a good question. I, I want to actually see if there is an update from the time that I pulled this story, which was earlier in the week, until now. The Daily Dot has reached out to Paul via Instagram DM and Instacart directly regarding the tipping policy and his employment status. Neither have responded. Which means that this bitch is still out there doing the same thing. Trying to be the white knight shining a spotlight on some sort of injustice when all the dude did was buy a computer from Apple. Anyway, that one that one chapped my ass a little bit this week, so I threw it in the news. And that is as political as we're going to get ever on Nerd Cognito. Fair <laughs> enough. And you got to hear it, Bert. I'm fine with that. I have no problem listening to that. And, you know, like you said, you know, if you're ordering something, if somebody's providing you a service, like a company provides you with a service, you don't think of it the same way you think of when you order a pizza. Something. Right. 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 Put a picture of the dude's MacBook in his house on, on TikTok. Fuck you. <laughs> that really pissed me off. I need to calm down. <laughs> breathe in, breathe oh, out. Thank you, Bert. Thank you. Bert. Lose less money at the casino. Breathe in. That's okay. Breathe out. I mean, <laughs> mine was an acceptable loss. My loss was an acceptable loss. You know, his loss was not an acceptable loss. <laughs> <laughs> what up, Mike? Speaking of calling out Mike. Uh, I've been trying to get him to play a certain video game for a very long time. Do you do you remember what video game this is? Mm, no, I, I, I'm not familiar. Death Stranding. Oh, The Walking Simulator. Oh, it's so good, Bert. It's so good. Death Stranding Director's Cut, which is, uh, or I should say was ambiguous as to its PC release is coming to PC. Yay! That means that I'm going to log another 300 hours. Um, <laughs> and, and, thank you, Mr. Kojima. Kojima-san has announced that it will only be a $10 upgrade if you own the original game. Oh, you can't beat that. That is doing your fans right. You already paid a premium for the game. You can upgrade to the director's cut, which introduces almost a whole other game's worth of mechanics for ten bucks. That that is doing a service. So instead of going on TikTok and calling people out, Kojima Sun is graciously I think that's a bargain and a half. 
giving owners of the original game a $10 upgrade. If you don't own it, it will be a $39.99 standalone purchase. So, even if you don't own it, it's 20 bucks off of the original price. And that's MSRP. Um, fantastic game. You've never played it, have you? Obviously, <laughs> making fun of me for the walking simulator. <laughs> I have a friend who's obsessed with Death Stranding, but no, I, I uh, have been investing my hours in um, Skyrim and Fallout. So, Oh, you went back to Fallout, too. I went back to Fallout. I... I know that the new Skyrim is so far away, and I've played the old Skyrim so many times. I went through that phase where it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, see what's new with all the mods. And uh, mods are always broken, even the good ones. They're not perfect. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to put it on the shelf and wait and hope, you know. Ten years from now, we'll be playing the next Skyrim, or the next <laughs> Elder Scrolls, whatever it is. <sighs> Maybe Norman Reedus and I will be delivering packages until then. But, uh, yeah, ten bucks. Good upgrade. Next up, and the last item in the news this week. I always try to get a list, because lists are... Well, they're fun and they're irritating all at the same time. Last week we had a list of uh, the hardest NES games ever. Yes, I, I heard my name come up in that list. It, yes, I owned Sober Surfer. Yes, it was one of the hardest games ever. And yes, I did finally beat it. Oh, there you go. I didn't have to ask any of the questions. <laughs> uh, that, those were the three questions that I was going to go with. Um, this list is sort of tipping its hat to... The Amazon series, The Expanse, which phenomenal. If you haven't seen it, go watch The Expanse. It is amazing. Um, but after six seasons, it is finally done. Well, this is eight tabletop role-playing games to play after you finish The Expanse. Hmm. Number one, which is, I, I, can we have some sort of uniform rule? We should make it the nerd cognito rule. When you're doing a list, you got to go from bottom to top. Or if the, number eight is the lowest. You know, right. we always got to do that because some people do number one is the lowest. Some people do number eight is the lowest. Some people don't fucking number them. <laughs> <laughs> Which just blows my mind away. Um, regardless. First game on the list, which I'm assuming is at the bottom of the list, is Scum and Villainy. Um, I read about Scum and Villainy when it was when it was new, right? It was a evil hat game, I think. I'm not familiar with Scum and Villainy. Scum and Villainy, you know, it's definitely pew pew. Okay. But players control a shared ship. They create it, they live in it, they expand it, and they go across the galaxy doing space cowboy things. It, it is a very, very group-intense game because, well, much like The Expanse, like the crew in The Expanse all had a pretty vital function when they were together. And a lot of the chaos was in the series for The Expanse was when 
the crew was separated, right? Uh, because they weren't a complete unit. Scum and Villainy is, your group is the complete unit. So, I can see why that one made the list. Hey, you can talk about this one. Stars Without Number. I have played a lot of Stars Without Number. Stars Without Number is actually uh, has actually been a lot of fun. It's, uh, if you remember... About a million episodes ago, we talked about my... Uh, drag Queen Space drag Pirate. Queen, right, my Drag Queen Space Pirate is a Stars Without Number character. And it is a... I find it to be a fun system. It's really interesting in the fact that it's... Um, it's kind of um, more of a simple setup. Like, the, rather than... Uh, like, the characters are more... It's more story-driven than it is like, rule-driven, necessarily. Right. Now, I know there's a free version of it. which 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 I uh, applaud them. The first freeware sort of RPG that, that really got any traction. Um, so, good for them. You guys, you guys, I assume, are playing the full, the full version, because it's not an expensive right. RPG by any means. No, it's not expensive at all. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun to play. If you've got a group that's good on storytelling and wants a chance to play interesting characters and kind of customize them. It can be a lot of fun. And I think it's a, it's a $20 download for the PDF. If, if I recall correctly, um, start without number. So Bert gives it a big thumbs up. Uh, next up, next up Coriolis Coriolis uses the year zero engine, which was their own sort of, rule set um, based on skill challenges and a lot of dice rolling if I remember correctly. Did you play either Coriolis or Year Zero, Bert? Uh, a little bit of Year Zero but not very much and there was a lot of dice rolling. I was going to say, there's a, it's level. like you need like 50 six-sided dice if I remember correctly. <laughs> um. But if you like rolling dice and being in space, Coriolis is the way to go. Here's an older one that, that well, hopefully warm your heart like it rolls mine. Traveler. I played Traveler back in the day. I think everybody played a little bit of Traveler back in the day. Traveler was originally a games workshop game from 19 to 7 to 7. It was a collection of little paperbacks that they released that eventually came to be the monster that was Traveler, probably that we played, which was Traveler Second Edition. Uh, that would have been the most likely the one that I, I that was the one that I played. Yeah, and pretty before. much you're a band of space scoundrels smuggling shit to the galactic nobles and trying to weave your way through the empire without getting caught, it, it, Traveler. Oldie, but a goodie. I always enjoyed Traveler. That It was always fun to play. It was kind of a, you know, it, it kind of a, it was Star Wars-esque without that kind of whole, like, uh, you know, without without the IP elements, you know what I mean? Right, and that's, I think that's what it was, was it was at 100% Star Wars, the role-playing game, but we're not paying for the IP. <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, we don't have Space Wizards. Well, they did have Space Wizards, though. So, um, 
I forget what the space wizards were called in Traveler. Someone will, I'm sure, email and correct me. I, the rest of this list sucks. I'm not even going through it. <laughs> oh, really? That bad? Um, oh, no. M- Mothership. Mothership is good. Mothership is ghosts in space. So if you want to okay. play chill on a spaceship, there's Mother will, Mothership. Um, Iron Sworn is the next, and The Wretched was the last one. Mm. The Wretched, I, I actually looked at in detail about a year ago for the old podcast. And um, it's pretty much a solo RPG, which, I mean... <laughs> What's the point? Right? I If I wanted to write a diary, I would. Um, yeah. There's only a couple things that, that, that I enjoy doing solo, and even that's still better with at least one other person. So... Agreed. When it comes to solo, like board games now have solo modes, but the only person I know who ever tests them is Doug. Like all Michael of us will us play, play solo too. I can't bring myself to solo a board game. Yeah, I'm not going to break it out just for me. Like I want to have somebody to play against or to play with. You know. Surprisingly, not on the list is the Alien RPG. Huh. I'm gonna. I'm You're gonna right. Up and give it some shine. Yeah, I would encourage everyone go to Alien hyphen rpg.com if you're if you're interested in checking this out you know there's the the core rule book but i i totally forgot they have a starter set uh maybe that's a way that we sort of test it out maybe we scrap the fantasy role-playing thing and play alien i'm totally down to buy another source book i am totally down for alien i mean i love the the original Alien movie, and you had a bunch of things that were that make for a good futuristic role playing game. You've got the dystopia element, the corporate, you know, the corporate bastards element, the unknown elements from Alien. Like the there's a ton of different. Uh... And we can just pretend that Covenant never happened. True. True. Yeah, the thing I I really like about it is there's two sort of ways to play. They have what they call cinematic play and campaign play. And cinematic is an on-rails, scenario-driven method that really goes through an arc of the actual Alien film. So it is a one-shot that emphasizes high-stakes, fast, brutal, crazy play. And um, the one thing that I did read from everyone that has played the game is that you will not survive. (laughs) Fully expect TPKs often because motherfucking aliens. They also have campaign play, which is designed for longer continuous play. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what we should do is probably do one of the cinematics first and then roll to the campaign because then it'll play and let you explore the entire alien universe. Now, did I'm on the website for it now from is this Modifius Entertainment? No, 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 no. It's the same people that did Year Zero. In fact, I think it uses the Year Zero engine as the background. It's alien-rpg.com Oh, okay. I see. It does. I was I was correct. It uses the Year Zero engine, which is probably why it wasn't on the list because they they had Year Zero on the list, didn't they? 
This actually looks really cool. Though. I've been wanting to get that the the hardcover version of it for a long ass time, and I've just never pulled the trigger because you know I'm like, well, I'm not going to spend that money. Well, it turned into my dad. I'm not going to spend that money on that. Then I'll go and blow ridiculous amounts of money on He-Man figures. Oh, yeah. How is your He-Man addiction these days? Uh, Orco came today, which is apparently harder to get. You got an Orco now. I have an Orco now. And I got a Stridor since we last talked about it on the air, which is the mechanical horse that He-Man rides. Oh, right. I remember Stridor. Yeah, I... I didn't really want... Uh, you know, <laughs> here's how terrible my He-Man thing is going. I didn't really want Stridor, but he comes with a base that clicks into Castle Grayskull. <laughs> okay. And the only real reason I bought it was because he attached to Castle Grayskull. As long as the kid can play with the horse, it's all good. Yeah, I mean, why? why would you not? You know what I mean? All right. So, yeah, uh, maybe we should twist some arms and play Alien. I could be game for that. I mean, the the there's so much there that can be worked with as far as, like, the source material and the... Uh... There is a oh. section of the book that tells you how you can spawn hives as the dungeon master... On oh, random no. planets that your players are visiting. It's got a mechanic to populate, you know, either a single alien or a nest of aliens. And it's fucking brutal, man. It sounds like it. I mean, the 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 stories about alien, like going back years, are absolutely hilarious. I mean, everybody's heard the story about, uh, oh, what's his name? The designer. The guy who designed the Xenomorph. H.R. Uh, Geiger. Geiger, right? So, he, uh, like, uh, there's a story about him getting stopped and the people looking at his artwork and they asked him if he, uh, if he drew them from life. And he's like, where, where would I have seen them for real? In hell, perhaps? Like, <laughs> Geiger was an interesting guy. I read his biography. Uh, Several several years ago, but good uh, read. It was it was, and it explains a lot of the phallic and genitalia references in his art, and it mm. also explains, you know, how drugs influence some of his art. <laughs> but uh, hey, all good artists are expanding their horizons, right? There is that. So let's pretend. That you and I aren't sold on Alien. And we do okay. end up fantasy role-playing again. Mike told okay. me that he wants to play a Ranger variant called a Gloomstalker last week. Which is an interesting selection for Mike. I mean, just having Ranger come out of Mike's mouth was, was a shock for me. Right. Well, I mean, the Gloomstalker Ranger, it's almost like... Uh, if you If you were to put it in like a modern setting, it would be like... Buffy the Vampire Slayer or the Brothers from Supernatural, right? They hunt. Right. Uh, so they hunt undead creatures or supernatural creatures to kill them. Have you given any thought to what type or a handful of characters that you were thinking of playing? 
there are a few things that I was uh, that I was considering. Um, now, obviously, you know, whenever you get a group together to play, one of the things that always seems to run in short supply is um, support characters. You know, um, I love support characters. I do too, and uh, you know, a lot of them can be really interesting. You know, druid or cleric can be, you know, a, a really uh, a really fun thing to play. You know, you give them personality and things like that, and you you kind of support the party. So I've been looking, I've been thinking about support characters because I'm not sure what Doug it would play. Like, so if we Doug got is ranger, always the wild card because he'll play anything. Although he does skew towards magic users. That's true. That's true. And so, then, yeah. So, I think it's safe to count Doug as a magic user of some sort. Wizard, sorcerer, warlock. Something of something that like kind, that, yes. Something of that type, yeah. Mike would be a ranger, and Ralph would be who knows what. True, true. I mean, there's a, you know, so when you think of support characters, like I, I've been thinking lately about, you know, what makes a well-rounded party and what's needed and things like that. I haven't played a rogue in a long time, which might be fun to do, but... Normally, when I wind up, you know, getting together with a party, I, I normally tend to kind of drift into that support character role, either druid or cleric, you know, depending on the system. Right. So do you want to be more upfront or are you sort of comfortable in that in that pl- in that pattern? I, I don't have a problem with that pattern. I guess it would just kind of depend on you know, sort of what everybody wants to play. Normally when I'm working with a group, I'll look and see, okay, what do we got? What do we need? Like I'm normally the last guy to make my character because I'm just going to be the guy who's going to be like, okay, we don't have enough tanks. We don't have enough fighters. We don't have enough people who can deal damage or we don't have any healers, you know, that kind of thing. I I do. I do. Although (laughs) Speaking of healers, you know what character I'm going to miss playing that I enjoyed playing from our last campaign? <laughs> the robot. Doc Doc. Yes. Doc Doc, the robot cleric. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, I, I I totally see that. I, I kind of want to play, but I also know that if I don't DM, it's probably not going to happen. So... I, I mean, I've come to terms with the fact that I am forever DM. I mean, I've been known to I've been known to DM too. Um, you know, from time to time. the The only thing that's interesting about DMing, especially with such a diverse group, is like who's going to throw everything off the rails. You know what I mean? Right. Might, and how How do you recover on the fly from it? That's right. Exactly. I've gotten I not tooting my own horn, I but I think I've gotten pretty good at. At, at doing that, at recovering over the years. Of course, I effectively have been forever DM now for going on 20 years, so I think that probably helps, too, because anybody can get good at anything with enough practice. <laughs> right, sure. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, the people will totally throw off your game when you're, in, when you're the guy in charge. It, it, things can go sideways in a hurry. Um, oh, and I don't think it's intentional. Well, there are the dick bags online now. I don't know sure. if, you've, if you've seen this trend. Another reason why I hate online gaming and don't think it's real tabletop gaming, 
but there are dick bags that are going into paid games. They're paying their five, ten dollars to the poor schlub that probably put twenty hours into it, and their whole purpose is just to derail the game. I've seen that guys designing characters that can do thousands of points of damage in a round. Guys like uh, designing characters that have armor classes that, like you know, can't be hit by you know anything like ever oh even worse than that there was a youtube channel which i'm not going to say the name of and i don't think it exists anymore thank goodness but literally this guy would go in and completely absolutely totally just derail story we're not talking about min maxing the numbers which is one disgusting thing they're intentionally going in to be counterproductive, and because it's a paid game, these DMs and the other players are fucking stuck. Yeah, can't get rid of them. So, well, they can, but then they're going to get a credit card charge back, and the average person doesn't know how to deal with or want to deal with that nightmare. Mm. And let me tell you, as someone that runs a business, that is a nightmare if you get a chargeback. Because um, you're looking at at least four or five hours, man hours of investigation that you have to put in. You have to assemble the paperwork. You have to send it into the credit card company who's inherently going to rule against the business anyhow. <laughs> right. And depending on how aggressive the customer is, or how much the customer knows how to use their their credit card system, you're going to lose the sale. You're not responsible if there's goods to recover the goods. So they get to keep the goods. You lose the sale. And you get hit with the fee from the credit card company to cover their costs. So it can be yeah. anywhere from 10 to $200 on top of you lost the sale. So they're going to pull that, claw that all back out of your account. Lovely. Yeah, nasty side of credit cards that that nobody realizes exists. But this guy, I mean, he had videos of him calling his credit card company and issuing chargebacks. And if it's the right credit card company, which, again, I'm not going to say because I don't want to encourage this behavior. Right, exactly. You can say, I want the maximum chargeback assessed against this business, and they will do it. And it's about 200 bucks, which... For Amazon.com, nobody cares. But if it's a guy that's doing DMing on the side, 200 bucks probably means, let's put it this way, if he has to charge $5 per player per game, 200 bucks is probably significant for him. Oh, very. Dick bags, derailing games, for fun. I'm an asshole, and I would never do that. Right. I mean, have I said things sideways? Sure, everybody has. Like, you find you wind up following what you think is an important plot thread, and you wind it winds up being a throwaway comment by the DM that they never planned anything about. No, but that's different. That's all in-game. These guys right. are metagaming out to destroy the game. Right, and that's just, you know, you're out to ruin everybody's fun, and that's pretty shitty if you're a gamer. It is. It is. Those are the true trolls, my friends. Not people that just like, you know, dark humor on Facebook. 
Are you in Facebook jail again? I am in Facebook jail again and didn't do it as usual. This time I really didn't do it. Um, I, I got an account restriction where I was just locked out all of last week. Okay. And usually you click on it and it says, oh, look, this is the content that you posted that we found so abhorrent <laughs> that, that we're that we're locking you up in Facebook jail. Well, this one just says, you violated... I, I should pull it up so that I can get it word for word, but I'll, I'll summarize right now. People... I'm, I can't make this shit up. This one says, you violated our community standards. Your account is locked for seven days. Or, you're, you know, you're not able to... Bup, 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 for seven days. Okay. Community nope. standards. There's no content tied to it. There's no post tied to it. There's no comment. There's no report. It's just, hey, you did this. And it was, well, what did I do? Right? Yeah, that's a good question. No option to investigate. No option to challenge. Usually it's like, well, you can dispute this and you can say, I think that this is... I think you made a mistake, you know. Oh, well, we'll review it, or as of late, it's, we don't have staff because of COVID-19, so we can't review it. <laughs> Fair. But this one doesn't even have the button. It's just, eh. That's and really weird. It gets weirder. Four days into it, it disappeared. But the violation still is there in my account. And then it changed the on day five to... You can't post or comment in groups for 24 hours. And then when the 24 hours expired, it is, we're deprioritizing your posts for 30 days. Things that you post will show up lower in people's timelines. And that's where we're at right now. But still, what did I do? <laughs> right, they keep, so they keep changing, the. it seems like they keep changing what they're, the penalty that they're putting on you, but they don't tell you what you did to get it in the first place. No, and and I'm usually pretty savvy to, I'm going to post this and I'm going to be in Facebook jail. I was pretty quiet on Facebook last week, intentionally so. So I was intentionally limiting what I was doing just to promotion, right? Right, right. I mean, yeah, you posted podcast information like i saw some of the stuff you put up and i haven't seen anything like controversial or crazy from you lately i think my posts as of late on the ryan scale are pretty tame yeah pretty pretty fair like uh, you know a one or a two on the ryan scale Nothing so earth so yeah but um i am deprioritized so if you are one of my my facebook friends and i know you guys are out there oh yeah um and I haven't been popping up in your timeline. What? Whatever. I don't care. People are still liking and commenting my shit, so how well is this working out for you, Facebook? But yeah, I... No idea. And it's, it's bizarre. Because I can go back years and still see the content that was posted unless <laughs> it was... A, that, that, was, that was objectionable in their eyes. This one has, has doesn't even reference the content. It's just, we don't like you. <laughs> You're banned. Bad. Bad Ryan. No. Oh. No. Don't do it. Bad Ryan. No. There has to be an alternate platform that doesn't get 
a stigma to it that has to dethrone this beast. It just has to be. Otherwise, we're fucking doomed. Because, yeah. you know, you think of the alternatives. Twitter is worse. Mm, yeah. Um, MeWe and Parler are all politicized. Don't want to be there. No, no, no desire to get into that. Reddit is like the fucking Wild West, and unfortunately, it's moderated by 10-year-olds. Don't want to go there. Yes, no, you don't want anything to do with Reddit. Instagram and things like that, you know, don't offer the same features that you'd want. Well, Instagram is is still Facebook, so you're in the same, same uh, boat. You're right, you're right. Um, and I refuse to do anything <laughs> with TikTok because... I'm not 10. <laughs> Agreed. So I'm kind of limited to where I am on a social platform to Facebook and Twitter. And Facebook is more the devil you know. Twitter is definitely worse, so you kind of use what you can. Let's, let's see if it's still there. By the way, if you would like to be my Facebook friend, go to facebook.com slash infamousryan. And um, hit me up. I'm not particular. Just ask my exes. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to... If we do decide that we're going to do the fantasy role-playing or play 5th edition, I might have to pick up that uh, Mordekainen's Monsters of the Multiverse is the name of the book that I was telling you about. They just had a digital sale at Wizards. I wish, wish I would have known. I would have told you. Um, everything was like 30% off. Facebook jail. Facebook jail. Oh. What's that, Lassie? Ryan's in Facebook jail again? Yeah, well, what else is new? Makes no difference on my life. In fact, were it not for this job with our lovely fans at Nerd Cognito and getting the word out about the podcast, I probably wouldn't be on Facebook. I can't say that because I have to manage the other business pages. I'll tell you what, my wife is the first one to, like, repost your, your nerd cognito. Uh, I know. God love her. We, we need all of the help we can get to overcome whatever that weirdness was where, and it's still going on, but I think I figured it out. I think it was Google that was messing okay. up our reporting. I mean, it has to be. Google um, emailed me and said that there was some sort of conflict on their end and they needed me to re-verify the RSS feed. and But nothing was pulled down. The, the show and everything was still there. So I think that that, and specifically because Google Podcasts is our largest listener base, uh, I'll bet you that that was what the problem was. Must have been. I, that makes sense to me. So, whatever. It was nice to have us back. It's nice to be back on Spotify, though, because I was listen I had a Spotify playlist going today while I was cleaning house. Well, there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be back on Spotify. I still don't know why we were taken off of Spotify. Uh, it's, you notice the first episode is still gone. I The first episode is lost in the ether forever. And the entire old podcast, which is okay because the philosophical differences I had with the with, it, with my partner, which was weird because we were partners for a long time. Huh. But the old podcast is just entirely gone. But I don't miss that. 
You looking forward to any new uh, video games coming down the pike here? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there are a few things that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to contemplate if I should, you know, move to a next-gen system. I'm still on PlayStation 4. Um, you know, I've been looking at a few things like uh, the Shin Megami Tensei games were always one of my favorites, but the newest one is only available on the Switch. Then you've got Things like, um, what is it, to- Tokyo Ghostwire is coming out for the PS5. Like, there's a bunch of different things that I'm kind of looking into as far as, should I upgrade to a next-gen console? Do I, ha- do I have enough gaming time to make it worthwhile, considering that I'm still working overtime every week since, like, Forever. the last 18 months? Yeah, <laughs> since, since prior to COVID. Right. Well, you know what my opinion is going to be for you. Right now is to do nothing and use use a streaming gaming service. I'm in love, and I wish they would sponsor us because I give them so much credit and props. I'm in love with GeForce Now for what it does. Really? Yes. Yes. Uh, when you're, you know what? Someday, when we don't have like gaming lined up or something like that, just come over, hang out, and I'll let you check it out. It's cool. It is viable and amazing. Then you don't have to worry about buying a system. You don't have to worry about finding a graphics card. If you play within their ecosystem, it is fantastic. And then if you want to get outside of their ecosystem, then you worry about, uh, you know, I'm still in favor of gaming PC, you know. Right, right. I know you're a PC guy. I've always been a console guy, like going way back, but I haven't, uh, I haven't pulled the trigger on any of the latest next gen consoles yet. I'm still, when I do play, it's still fire up the PS4, pull up some of my old favorites, and put in a few hours here and there. True. The the other downside to consoles is, um, you limit yourself to their market, which isn't always as competitive, but. Um, True. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely a PC guy. Plus, you know, I like the fact that I can pick up games a hell of a lot cheaper just through third-party markets. True. And uh, speaking of third-party markets, you know that we have one of the biggest third-party markets as one of our sponsors here at NerdCognito, right, Bert? I do. Well, this week we picked up the other big one, and I'm talking about Fanatical. Welcome to the Nerd Cognito family. Fanatical is now one of our sponsors and affiliates at Nerd Cognito. This is super exciting because between Fanatical and our other sponsor, that is almost 80% of my video game spend. So the people that I support are supporting us. Um, Fanatical is a great marketplace. That gives you instant delivery of keys, triple A, first day one titles. Um, we're, we're talking anything and everything that you could ever want. And it's just there. Cuts out the middleman. And I'm going to be honest, when I'm buying a game, I go to one of our two places. Actually, I go to both of our two places and whoever has it cheaper is where I buy it. But now all of my bases are covered. I know that I'm supporting... Um, the folks that support us here at Nerd Cognito. Fanatical has great discounts. They're always running deals. And they have their star deals, which are where you can pick up amazing, amazing deals at even lower prices than they offer every day. 
Go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down to the sponsors, and find the Fanatical link. Definitely check them out before you buy a game in your so-called premium marketplace. Uh, Fanatical will save you time, will save you money, and everybody likes saving money. Especially on a hobby that can be <laughs> kind of a money suck sometimes. Uh, nerdcognito.com, scroll down to the sponsors, find Fanatical, and check them out before you buy any games. I, I'm going to throw this out there because we were talking about role-playing, but I know nobody else would be interested in this other than me. I'm, I'm listening. Uh, I'm interested. The company that made the Alien role-playing game that yes. you were talking about has a new release coming out for 2022. What would that be? That Blade Runner. I would totally, I'm 100%, and you know that Blade Runner and Alien are the same universe. It's been confirmed. Right. Well, Blade Runner is like my favorite like sci-fi movie of all time. Replicants and, you know, flying noodle carts and, you know, the whole nine yards, you know? the uh, But they're, they're using that same year zero engine. Like, I just saw an announcement about it that they're, releasing Blade Runner the role-playing game in 2022 and I was like I would love to play that I can't see us getting Mike and Doug into it mm, I, I I hear you on that one unfortunately I do but I, I see where they're going because it makes sense oh, especially absolutely. now that Rid Ridley Scott has said yes it's the same universe right plus it, it gives you a chance to take something that's in that kind of universe and still give it that sort of noir element and things like that that Blade Runner was so good with that Alien just didn't have. Well, no, but Alien was also far future from Blade Runner. So um, just think about this. If you've got a long-term campaign group, you can run them through Blade Runner into space exploration then through Alien. Oh, man, and you could literally you could literally cross over because you've got things like cryo sleep and things like that. Like how long did they leave Ripley and suspended animation at one point? Right. Like there's, there's literally ways you could carry characters from one into the other. That would be insane. I am totally geeked. So I've got to trip over 40 bucks and just buy the hardcover alien book and get ready to go. I think that, do you think we could talk them into it? I, I think Michael play anything. Michael play anything. Doug, um, I don't see why Doug wouldn't. I mean, normally, most of the role-playing games I've done with Doug have been fantasy, but I don't see why he couldn't get into a science fiction. I mean, he liked things like Dark and things like that, like science fiction shows. I don't see why he wouldn't enjoy a science fiction adventure. I think Doug would enjoy it, too. Doug has been very open in the past. He played Chill, if you remember. True. Right which I wanted to do. Um, I think the only thing that he outright sort of grimaced at was Call of Cthulhu, and that was more because of the system, not the content. True. I mean, and that was that is a rough system. Like, even, like, the revised Call of Cthulhu editions and things like that was a rough system to play with. Yeah, so um, I think it's doable. Plus, if two of us show up with alien books, what fucking choice do they have? <laughs> we're playing it damn it um i think i think the problem is solved our next tabletop role-playing game 
Thank goodness it's not Wizards of the Coast. It's True. not fantasy. I think we're going to go with Alien. Did you hear the crash in the background of my studio? I did. What the heck was that? Zeus just knocked over Castle Grayskull. Are you kidding? No, just he got just Castle came down, Grayskull. did a loop, and knocked over Castle Grayskull. Oh, you just got that. Yeah. I mean, it's not broken or anything. He just came over and put his head down like a bull and knocked over Castle Grayskull. What a dick. My dog. Go figure. Yeah. So, Payday, I might have to pick up the Alien book then. If you think we can talk him into it, like, I, I definitely, uh, I can definitely get behind that. Well, I will work on Michael this week. And okay. then Doug's just a foregone conclusion because he won't have a choice. It'll be three against one. Well, <laughs> two and a half against one. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus I think it's about time my voice is just dying Bert absolutely dying it is time for us to say good night to everybody I am Ryan David I was joined by Bert hopefully uh, <laughs> I won't have to yell at the little man next week and won't blow my voice out right before we record but uh We'll have some fun stuff on deck for you next week, as always, here on Nerd Cognito. Bye, everybody. <laughs>